You're listening to the Second Chair Leadership Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, I'd like to welcome you. I'm your host, Josh Cooper. I'm a pastor who loves to help others lead better, and this is the podcast where we talk about courage and creativity in the second chair. If you're a subscriber, it means a lot to me that you take the time to listen to this podcast. Thanks for subscribing. I appreciate all your comments and reviews and shares. Sitting in the second chair with me today is Bob Clifton. He is the founder of Cannonball, a coaching organization that utilizes emotional intelligence to maximize personal and professional development. Bob has served as a marriage family therapist for 11 years in Kansas, and his work includes educating military families on healthy child development and private practice counseling with individuals and families. He is a sought-after speaker in the areas of marriage, parenting, personal development for men, and leadership. I am really looking forward to my conversation today with you, Bob. Bob, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Great to be here, Josh. So to get us started, Bob, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, give us a snapshot of your personal life. Sure. Uh, well, I've been a native Topekan all of my life. Uh, I would like to say that maybe I escaped for two and a half years, but some people love Topeka, so you don't want to use that language. So uh, yeah, I've been here all of my life, uh, married to a wonderful woman, Kathy, for the last 19 years, uh, and she's from Junction City, and uh, have two beautiful children, 16 and 14 years old, and <clears throat> my professional life, as Josh had mentioned, was I've been a marriage family therapist for the last 11 years in a variety of forms. Uh, and that started off with a little bit of work in what they would call private practice, and then made the trip back and forth to Fort Riley for about three years working with military families, uh, specifically training helping them gain skills just working with their zero to three-year-old children. So primarily kind of infant mental health, you would call it. Uh, and then have been back in Topeka since then, working for a local agency, CFCC and Associates, uh, as a private practice uh, marriage family therapist. Yeah, one of the things I found interesting about your story, if I correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you at one point mention uh, to me or to us um, at this event that I was a part of um, about um, you um, thought maybe you're headed into full time vocational ministry, but uh, that didn't happen. Um, so, how did you end up in in marriage and family uh, therapy? Absolutely, yeah. My wife and I were. Uh, early on in marriage, trying to figure out a way, I, I really think back when I was a teenager, I would say, uh, and I would uh, deem myself to be a believer in Jesus since about 21 years old, but, but prior to even knowing God, uh, I felt like there was just a general sense that I wanted to work with, help, and serve people. So uh, we get married. I'm age about 24. And we decide as a couple real quick that uh, that may not be the best approach for us as a couple. Uh, and that was me moving into the role of pastor. 
And so still felt this uh, movement in that direction of wanting to help and serve people, not really having an avenue for it. And uh, who is now my uh, director at uh, CFCC and Associates, uh, his name's Dr. Corey Schleep. We're having a great conversation. And his challenge to me was, it's funny, at the time I was an exterminator. Mm. And in a kind way, he said, I'm sure you are a very good exterminator, but uh, I don't think you'll live up to your full potential if you do not get into the people industry. And that was a pivotal conversation where I shifted from what I was doing and kind of the stars lined up, if you will, to where I got a chance to go back to school. Uh, but also, uh, I got to be a stay-at-home dad for the next six years, mm. at which today I still consider a treasure. I saw uh, my daughter from one years old through kindergarten, and then I got to spend from zero till about four or five with my son, uh, to which was a great gift. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. I was a stay at home dad and seminary student. So I know what those, I, I mean, I miss those days. Um, and I don't miss those days. Um, yes. but, uh, I will never regret staying home, um, while I went back to school yeah. to, to get my degree. So that's awesome. Yeah. So talk a little bit then, Bob. Um, you got a couple of roles. You got a couple of things going on here, but talk about your current role uh, a little bit, main area of expertise. Um, and because um, I w what I'd love to do is kind of backtrack a little bit and, and talk about really some of those defining moments um, that led to where you are today. Yeah, you heard me mention one. I <laughs> I was in high school and I think I was at a school dance. I was sitting and listening to somebody tell their story is all I can remember. And uh, I don't know why I think this is a pivotal moment, but I heard her say this. She said, you're really good uh, at listening to people. And Josh, in a way I can't describe, something clicked in me right there. And for some reason, I never forgot her comment. And what I found was, as I began to, like, I don't get my degree as a marriage family therapist till I'm 32 years old. Mm. So 16 years goes by in between that comment that she made and the day that I would walk down uh, the aisle with my piece of paper that says, you can now call yourself a therapist. And what happened, though, along that way is there was these moments where it was either through teaching a Sunday school class or meeting one-on-one -on -one with somebody or uh, helping people who were in need. Every time I was in that position, something was just, it was just happening inside. Like something was coming alive in me through that process. Mm. And I began to correlate it with, it, it was when I got to be and spend time around people, especially hearing people's stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I love how you're talking because I think a lot of people wonder, um, and I'm sure you've wrestled with this considerably. Uh, and I get this a lot as a pastor, like, um, you know, what I want to know what God's will is for my career, that kind of thing. And I love how you talk about coming alive, um, with 
how you came alive when you were with people, particularly in hearing people's stories, um, that there's just something really, really profound when we realize when we're fully alive in that, and we associate it or we connect it to with, with the work that we're doing. How about any other defining moments in the past that led today? Any anything else that you wanna you wanna share there before we move on to, uh, and and talk a little bit more about leadership and, and cannonball? Yeah, I thought I don't know. I feel like I just want to say this to your listeners too. There was multiple times in those sixteen years where I'd felt like I wanted to do professionally exactly what I'm doing right now, which is primarily getting the chance to be a full-time marriage family therapist. And along the way, there seemed to be these seasons where it looked like that dream was going to fade away. I I go back to, uh, we get married and two and a half years later, three years later, our daughter, uh, Abigail is born. And so now we've got a child, we've got a mortgage. It really looks like the path that was in front of me was the one that I was going to continue to be on. And uh, yet nothing, nothing wrong at all with the, the world of exterminating. Uh, I love my bosses. I enjoyed working there. It was a great place. But as I was working there, I just knew there was something else for me. And so I think one of the things I just want to say to the listeners is, Uh, don't give up on what kind of seed God may have planted in you or some dream that you have. And I would say that, like I said before, I saw that fade away quite a few times, but then to now tell the story and see even in those 16 years how my story was getting lined up so that I would get to do and become what I wanted to uh, quite fascinating. Even as I think back through it, yeah, isn't that something? How those those moments, or what, or even in 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 case of extermination, something in that season of your life, or being a stay at home father, um, had prepared you for where you are today in many many ways. And we don't, I I can, I I'm fully on board with that. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, so good. Um, so so tell us, Bob, what it is, what is it that you love about what you do? Yeah. Uh, it was, um, it's great. So as Josh alluded, I've got kind of two different roles going right now. My primary role is for an agency here uh, in Topeka called CFCC and Associates. And we are a uh, agency that uh, provides uh, counseling at a variety of levels to a variety of people. I'll hopefully get a chance to share more about that. And then kind of a new endeavor in my world, something that I've been kind of wrestling with even in the last 24 months is uh, uh, this company so far that I'm calling Cannonball uh, Coaching and Training. And and that stems from a desire that's really formed in the last decade. The, the, the primary goal around that is an opportunity to work with men and to help them better their stories individually with their families and professionally. And so we are in the beginning stages of seeing that work. But around the counseling, which has been the primary goal for uh I guess the goal and role for a long time, it 
it's been really neat to see what's developed. And I am in my 11th year right now, uh, as Josh had said earlier, and it dawned on me even just this last week, I was walking out of the office and just three or four uh, sessions with people where they were getting significant breakthrough in their story. Something big was happening. And for some reason, I got to be a part of that. Mm. uh, I love that I'm 11 years deep in this profession and I still absolutely love what I do. And so I think that's what I cherish more than anything right now uh, in the direction that it's going. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, 11 years is a long time and you've been at the same place for 11 years, correct? Uh, so I think I've been a part of CFCC. I did my internship there when I was growing up or when I was going through school. Sorry about that. Uh, and then left to work at Fort Riley for about three years and then came back as a full-time therapist. I think I'm on my sixth year there now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember you saying that. Um, one, one of the things I think every, every leader, a lot of second chair leaders who listen to this podcast wrestle with is, um, loving where you're at right now for the long haul. Right. Um, in it through, through the, the, the highs and the lows of it all. Sometimes, you know, is you, you just, when things are not going well, when things are not clicking at the workplace, the last place you want to be is at work with a bunch of people you don't like. And so um, I'm just thinking out loud and we didn't plan this, but uh, what have you learned about like learning to love where you're at for the long haul when things are going great and when they're not going so great for you? Yeah. Josh, the, the primary thing that I think has been key for me is just this idea of self-awareness And then I would say as a second term is self-care. And what I mean by that is how good are we at taking care of ourselves in the middle of our leadership roles? Mm -hmm. Really, how do you determine what you need so that you can go care for others well? Because you and I both know if you're not taking care of yourself, uh, you're going to run on fumes for a while. And then something, some kind of breakdown is coming. And so I would say what I've been learning in the last, probably the last five years very well, is really trying to hone in on what I need personally in order to go to work and have something significant to offer, uh, I think is one thing for me too. I have the absolute best coworkers I could have ever imagined. And so we've got an environment in our office uh, that is very positive, very good. And Josh, I can imagine we've probably got listeners right now. That's not their story. Uh, They probably are not in, or some of them aren't in environments like that. But I would say for me, that's been a a big piece of what's also worked well. Hey, I would love to, uh, kind of shift gears a little bit it's related but i'd like to kind of have you speak more generally and just kind of tell us a little bit about um what you're learning about leadership um we've you know as you're 
you mentioned your primary role as a marriage and family therapist. And then um, the work that you're doing with men in leadership through Cannonball. Um, so what are some of the big things that you're learning about leadership these days? Well, one of the things I would say is I think we're at a pivotal time. And I, at this last uh, camp that I did, uh, kind of a men's conference where there was about 30 guys there, I said, guys, one of the things we want to be careful with is the idea, the concept of having a YouTube father, meaning, uh, Josh, I don't, I don't really need you for anything anymore. There is so much information online. There's a video to teach me how to do it. There's an audio or a multitude of audios that can help me refine it. And so I think one of the things in leadership that I'm learning that's unfortunately being lost is this necessity of community. Mm. And so because I can, I mean, if I want to work on my dryer tonight, then I can pull up, have access to a couple thousand YouTube videos real quickly of somebody teaching me how to work on my dryer. What I'm afraid is getting lost in that is that people-to-people interaction. And, and I would say I think I'm seeing it in the field of practice I'm in where we're seeing statistically depression anxiety is higher than it's ever been. And I would say a primary reason I think that's happening is because social connection is at an all-time low. Mm. So what do you learn about leadership? And I'd say one of the things I'm learning is the necessity of that connection to other people and that we need it. Mm. Mm. That is... I don't think I've heard any, I mean, I've been recording these podcasts for quite some time, a year now or so. And, and I don't know that anybody's ever mentioned the the necessity for facilitating social connection as a, as a significant element of leadership. This is really interesting, Bob. Um, So what's our role in this? Like as, as leaders, how, how do you see us best facilitating social connection? Well, I'm going to nerd out on you here for just a second. Do it. So uh, I get pretty geeked out about what we're learning about the brain right now. But it's interesting that it's the eye-to-eye contact face-to-face in person to our brains actually lighting up that it's being connected to. Uh, When you and I are scrolling through Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, what we're noticing is that same wiring isn't firing up, meaning it's not actually neurologically getting connected with. And uh, I think that's where you heard me say, I think the outcome of that has been that increased anxiety and depression. So I, I learned a long time ago, more than I need YouTube, I need older men who have actually experienced some of the things that I'm walking in right now. I just had a good friend and a dad give me a call this week and he's got a, a little, meaning he's got a, a little boy that's, uh, I think he's under two years old. Anyways, it's rough times right now. We're uh, acting out a little and uh, kind of a mess. But uh, I told him, I said, I'm so glad you're checking in with me today because 
I really thought I was doing a lot of things wrong. And had I not had the community in place that I did to be able to speak into these different seasons of life, then I would have thought I'm messing things up. But what they do is, is community normalizes our experience. Mm. So as I'm walking in leadership, I'm walking with three or four older men who are very much in the middle of their own leadership. Me just being a decade or two behind them, learning so much from them uh, that I can pick up and then utilize as I move farther into the process myself. Mm. Yeah, Th- that is interesting. Um, so if I can try to take away something from that, when you're talking about community normalizing your experience, that's right. Is that, did I get that right? Community normalizes your experience. And then our, one of the things that you have done to help facilitate social connection is to seek out individuals um, face-to-face um, and uh, who are older and wiser uh, men, in your case, um, to learn um, life, leadership, parenting, marriage, what, what have you. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, I think it's very fair. And I would, in, in addition to what you're saying, uh, also spending time in social community with uh, some men my age, and then also uh, wanting to pass some of these things on to men that are maybe a decade behind me, mm. helping learn from the mistakes that I made too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, two pillars of this podcast Bob are found upon courage and creativity. Um, what's what's one or two things that you're learning about courage these days? Well, it's been it's funny you ask that because uh, this starting of Cannonball has been quite the experience. So, yeah, I would consider myself eleven years deep to be somewhat at least knowledgeable. Maybe somebody would say you're an expert with people. I don't know about all that, but we'll definitely go with knowledgeable. But what this new endeavor is uh, causing me to do is I've got to step out into the social marketing uh, arena. And let me tell you what I feel like less than a kindergartner at being able to do well. I was we were laughing here. I was getting ready to put on this men's conference and somebody said, Hey, you need to record some videos and send these out. And so I thought, well, sure. That can't be a big deal. And it is, I was about to drop kick my iPhone across the room, trying to get in about a minute, 30 seconds, what I actually wanted to say to the audience. And then somehow have my personality be reflected in that process. And it didn't, it didn't go great. Like, uh, as soon as I put it out there, a friend texted me about 15 minutes and said, man, this is so dry. Why would you even put that up? That's awful. Thank you. Appreciate your feedback. Don't talk to me. Uh, I'm learning. And I, I think that's been the biggest thing around the, the uh, courage is to go ahead and, cur- man, and you're going to use the word here in a second, but to go ahead and create knowing that I've got to go through the same learning process I did just like when I was getting into uh, the process of being a marriage family therapist. Mm -hmm. 
One more thought I wanted to share, and I think that this has been a foundational uh, tool of mine, is I challenge people to really welcome mistakes. I, I think one of the things that's going to keep us from growing and learning is we do the best we can to stay clear of areas that we're not good at. I think there's a variety of reasons we do that, but one of the things I'm learning right now in regards to courage is it is critical for me to embrace the idea of making mistakes and learning. We're, we're so, we welcome it when we're young and as we get older, we tend to work harder to stay clear of it. So uh, make mistakes and forgive yourself quickly. Get moving again, uh, because it is a critical part of learning uh, is to welcome this idea that we are going to mess things up. So make mistakes, humility, get back up and keep moving forward. How about on the creative side? How how would you describe the connection or the intersection between courage and you mentioned you know social marketing but also creative like tapping into that creative side of how um, God has wired you and what you're uniquely designed to do um, so how does how does creativity fit into that yeah can I offer one more thing around courage absolutely as we've kind of seems like is becoming our theme today too it's been having the courage to ask people for help who know more than I do uh, in areas like social media marketing. So I've got a good friend named Colin that has been so critical in this process for me because he is a wealth of knowledge that I don't have any of. And so I'd say also that second piece of courage is just reaching out and asking help, which has been a big deal. So I wanted to make sure I... Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's something that I'm learning um, as like, you know, we were talking before we hit the record button here today about podcasting and what it might look like or what, it, you know, how do you start simply and when you have a budget, that's most podcasters, by the way, like for people listening to this and you want to start a podcast and you think, man, I, I listen to, you know, you probably listen to some high produced show highly produced shows and those cost thousands of dollars to you know to keep going but uh most podcasters do it on a really tight budget or or for almost you know nothing as we were talking about you could pick up a used microphone and a good one for 30 or 40 50 bucks um on uh, craigslist so um most most podcasters don't have a ton of money to spend and produce their shows but the value of team of knowing people that who um, will collaborate with you and offer their skill or their service. There's something to be said about having somebody on your team or, you know, and who, who, who knows a lot about the stuff that you don't know. Um, because as you, as you figured out, it takes a lot of energy and time to figure out how to do some of these things, but um, having people around you who are for you and with you and, and are, willing to to give some of their time talent and energy uh, to help you succeed is very humbling but man it is so much more gratifying yeah yeah you had uh you had mentioned something in regards to creativity and i i would say the the lie that i told myself for years was that 
creative people are only people who draw, paint, make music. Like, I don't know why I had really separated and really made that category small. And I'd say a, a big thing for me right now in regards to creativity is uh, just seeing how many people in all the ways that we are creative. I've been fascinated by some of these younger people putting out YouTube videos and just the, the effort that they put in and the work that they do. So I'm noticing for myself, one of the ways creativity is coming through is uh, based on the talks that I give. And as I begin to prepare the material, I think what I thought for years was this was just a good opportunity to dump a bunch of information on someone. Hmm. Gosh, I think probably part of that was for them and part of that was for me, meaning I did want to give them good information, but I think I also wanted to appear smart. Hmm. And so... What I'm learning now as the years go by is less information, more connection and story. Mm. It's really helped. Mm. I just uh, went to uh, John Maxwell's uh, business coaching leadership training, and they actually broke his talks down percentage-wise. And this really shook me when they said this. They said 51% of John Maxwell's talks are story. I think it was something to the tune of 19% is actual information. Interesting. And what I would say is probably one of the best speakers out there right now, brilliant at connecting with his audiences. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's, that, it is encouraging. I think, you know, um, I can, I can relate to what you're saying in terms of information and um, wanting um, others to see me as a competent person. Um, that, that's kind of the, that's the world that I live in. Um, for, for those who, um, follow Enneagram stuff, um, I'm a five. Um, and the, the passion of a five is greed, particularly greed of wisdom and knowledge. Um, and so one of the reasons I started this podcast was to share a lot of what I'm learning. Um, to get me out of that pattern, to break that pattern of hoarding information, um, and, and, to, and, and again, to shine spotlight on people like Bob, who have a lot of incredible wisdom um, to share regarding leadership and life, and, and we can learn together. Um, um, as, as, and hopefully this, this podcast facilitates all of that. So, uh, I resonate with what you're saying, less information. And the hard part for me personally, Bob, is the story piece. Like <laughs> information's easier for me. Story is harder. All right. Um, but, but I really appreciate what you had to say there. More, more story, more connection, less information. Um, that, that's really, really interesting to me. Um, yeah, so talk a little bit, um, about the work that you're doing with Cannonball, this creative and courageous effort. Obviously, you've had to take some risks over the last, um, I think you said year or so, obviously it's been building up to this and, uh, the event that I attended with other men, uh, from the area was called base camp, which I, I, 
recommend. If I hope you do it again, Bob, and I hope more men come. Um, and so talk to us a little bit about Cannonball, what it is, what you're doing, and um, even tell us, I know you have something coming up pretty soon. So kind of give us the backstory there. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for asking. Uh, Cannonball, it's... Um it was interesting. I was walking through a store here actually this summer and I, I had known I wanted to start something that was uh, not counseling, but more around the speaking side. And so I was uh, horsing around with names, if you will, and, and walking through a store and looked down and saw a label that said cannonball. And just as soon as I saw that, uh, I thought, that's exactly it. Because what is the what's the nature of a cannonball? You literally just jump in, uh, mm. and what happens next? We we don't know. So uh, the it made sense in what I was doing, but it also made sense in the people that I want to work with. What I wanted to invite them into, because what I had done here prior to this summer, and I was starting to really get down on myself, I'd spent about two years thinking, scheming, kind of working on this idea of, of doing something. And what I figured out one day was I, I wasn't making any movement towards the goal. I was just kind of sitting there. So this label, this idea of cannonball, this idea of jumping in, it seemed like it all just lined up at the perfect time. And so, Josh, what you are talking about was kind of that first effort, which was called Base Camp. And it was a three-day three men's conference that we just did here about a month ago. And uh, two elements to this. One was we had an element before the camp started, kind of a pre-session, where we as men sat in a room, just men, kind of walking through this idea of marriage and, and what it's like to be married and, and how do we walk in our marriage as well. And then we moved in for Friday through Sunday to really just talking about the masculine journey uh, here on this earth, specifically I mentioned ago, just talking about our, our personal journey, our journey with our families and friends, and then part of our professional journey is uh, the direction that Cannonball's going. <clears throat> now, a piece of that, I'm headed out here in a couple days to uh, also just do training in business and organizations. I think a tool that I've got in the last 11 years uh, is this idea of increasing the knowledge and understanding of how we are in relationships and how much that plays out in the business world. So I'm also getting an opportunity in addition to these camps that we're putting on to go into businesses, churches, organizations, and talk specifically about leadership and relationships. Hmm. Yeah, now that's interesting. I don't, I don't think I, um, not that I know everything that you're doing with Cannonball, but um, what are some of the, if you don't mind, couple of the key um, key principles that you're teaching in terms of business and relationships. Um, what's, what's the big idea there? Um, 
I'm not, I'm trying to figure out how to approach that, but I'm, I'm fascinated and would love to just kind of hear the big idea, the couple key principles behind it and, and what you're teaching businesses and relationship. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's kind of been the theme of once again, our time together today is at the core of every business it's formed by relationships. And so having an opportunity to sit in an office and hear, listen, walk with people through their stories for the last 11 years, I begin to see the correlation between what happens in family systems and what happens in work and staff systems, if you will. Well, there are relationships and the dynamics playing out. And as you know, we don't get into workplaces where everyone thinks and acts like we do. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Josh, that may be more of a disaster than uh, <laughs> if we had difference in personalities. And so uh, it's an opportunity to begin to, instead of seeing people that are different than me as being my enemy and clashing against, how do we really utilize, move towards each other's strengths and then begin to deal with each other's weaknesses better. Mm, yeah. Is a component of kind of that staff organization. And then I think another uh, kind of a beautiful piece to the job I've been in, I'm, I guess you would say I'm somewhat of a professional question asker, meaning rarely do we get to the depths of our story unless someone else can help us kind of dig those places out. And I would say in business, the more that we understand, I, I, I mean, when I show up somewhere, I really want them to care enough to know something about my story. And it's, it's to the point where, I mean, if you've taken a little bit of time to get to know me, man, I just want to make a purchase with you. Mm, yeah. it, I see that difference when I am either a number or I don't feel important to you compared to when you've taken time. And I will easily spend a little bit more money if you've spent the time to get to know me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Bob, you have, an, you have a Topeka event coming up right at the new year. You want to, I would love for you to tell us about that. Um, and, uh, tell it's a goal setting seminar, is it not? Yeah, it's something like that. So, uh, you can go to jump in 2019.com is the website. And, uh, my good friend and I, Greg Pruitt will be teaming up, uh, at the pennant. Uh, which is a, a new and really neat restaurant that we've got here in downtown Topeka on Saturday, January 5th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Lunch included. They've got great food. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Two things. One is we are going to be talking about how do we approach this new year well? How do we step into some of the things that either we've not done well in the past or that we really are inclined to want to do in 2019. And the second element to that is we're really inviting everybody to bring their community with them, mm. uh, bring their partner, bring their spouse, bring their friends, bring their small group. Because what we know is that when you work with at least one other person, 
your chances shoot through the roof of actually accomplishing the things you want to accomplish. Mm. And so those are the two different elements. And I think Greg and I were just here last night working on this. I just think it's going to be fun. And I think it's going to be real special to get this information, but then to be able to go out and really start to get traction in areas that maybe have been tough in the past. So yeah, jump in 2019.com. Go check it out. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be sure to include a link in the show notes to jumpstart 2019. For those who are interested um, in live in the Topeka area, would love um, for you to consider starting off 2019 right. Um, I am not a resolution guy, Bob, but I am a goal guy. Um, I think it's important to always have some goals and some big things that are working towards each year. And I, um, and so for those who might need a little help or um, just curious, um, and, or maybe you're, you know, you've never done that before. Maybe you've never set goals for yourself. Um, would love for you to consider being a part of that. Um, it's at the pennant. Like you get to play video games at some point, right? Then bowl if you want to. It's just <laughs> a fantastic place. Yeah, that's so great. So great. Well, hey, as we wrap up, I have some questions that I like to ask every guest about, um, you know, people who they who they admire and in books that they're reading and tools that they use. And and so, um, Bob, if you could grab a cup of coffee with any leader alive, who would it be and why? Well, uh, a, a long time, uh, I call him a book mentor of mine has been a guy named uh, John Eldridge, he kind of his original book to put him on the map was a book called Wild at Heart. And he's wrote quite a few since then. And I've had the privilege of following him for well over a decade at this point. And it's interesting. I don't even know that I'd want to meet with him to ask a bunch of questions because I'm so saturated in his material. But I would love to just meet and say thank you. And I've probably got about a half a dozen authors of books that have had massive impact on myself, my story, my family that have never got a chance to express gratitude. And I, I think that that's what, that would be an ideal situation for me. Can you make dreams happen, Josh? Can I make dreams happen? I don't know. But if somebody is listening, is able to connect Bob to, yeah, to... <laughs> <laughs> to help him make his dream come true. We want to see that happen. All right. And you can reach out to Bob on social media. We're going to get his email address here in a, in a few minutes. Um, so email him or hit him up on social media and see if we can connect him to John Eldridge. All right, y'all help a guy out. So Bob, what's one book in the last year you'd recommend every leader read and why? Well, it's a book. I don't think you're going to see this at Barnes and Noble, but it's uh, having massive impact. It's called Rare Leadership, uh, and it's by uh, two men named Marcus Warner and Jim Wilder. And uh, this book is really challenging me in the importance of, I think the way they put it is maintaining relationships in the middle of leadership. Sometimes we will sometimes in too much of an effort to get things done we want to get done we will walk over people what these guys are suggesting is we've we can definitely remain relational and we can remain at joy meaning happy i guess 
and still move and advance leadership in the direction that we wanted to go. And that's, it's just been an invitation that's been a little bit different than the other stuff that I've been reading recently. Yeah, sounds like it. Rare leadership. I'll include a link on Amazon for that as well. What's one tool you cannot live without? Well, the tool right now that I can't live without, Josh, is a social marketing calendar. Uh, As you guys heard earlier, I've got a bit of a handicap around this area. I am a avid learner right now. And what I figured out was sometimes this information on the internet connection is good, but there are people out there smarter than me that has set up calendars and kind of told me what to do so that I'm promoting my event and getting it out to as many people as I possibly can. So thank God for people who know more than I do about this and have offered their material for free so that I can advance a cause that I'm trying to work on. Sounds like I need that, Bob. I'm going to have to ask you for that uh, website when we're done here today. (laughs) Uh, And uh, what's one personal habit that makes you better? I think the personal habit that has been so helpful, and this has been in place for years, is every morning spending some kind of time uh, with God. And I would say in a variety of forms and fashions, I'd, I'd say I don't necessarily, I don't say get stuck, but for me, uh, I like to have variety. So sometimes that comes in the form of music, that comes in the form of reading, journaling, a variety of the things. And then as a second piece of that, uh, just a deliberate effort to continue to be a learner of leadership and business so that Uh, My ideas are fresh and what I'm bringing to conversation is new that builds upon what I've already been learning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we say goodbye, uh, got a couple of things. First of all, um, what's the best way for people to connect with you? If they want to find you, how can they find you? Great. Uh, a website and an email. The website is readytojumpin.com. Uh, is the website that is specifically for Cannonball. And then my email address is bob at readytojumpin.com. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions about today, any feedback, uh, any help in order to make me smarter and better in these areas I've been putting out there, I welcome what you have to share. Absolutely. And Bob, um, before we go, any any final words on second chair leadership, courage, creativity, anything we've talked about today that uh, you want to say before we go? I would just say that I think historically, more than ever, we're at a time where we need good, positive, and correct leadership. And I think that people can be apprehensive about stepping into some of those roles because as you move towards leadership, often you'll move towards more criticism. Hmm. That's why you heard me talk about the importance of walking uh, with good community uh, so that you can understand and remind yourself about the reason why you chose the journey you have. But I would just encourage more people 
to learn, study, grow in this because we we need it in so many areas right now. Yes, yes, we do. Hey, Bob, I'm so grateful for you. I'm glad our paths crossed a few weeks ago, and we've had this opportunity to learn some great leadership lessons uh, from you. Thanks for sharing some wisdom with us today. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. It's been great to be on your show. For show notes, highlights, quotable quotes, and more, go to joshuacooper.net slash podcast.